welcome to the Pressure Proof Creative Podcast, the show which talks about the good, the bad, and at times ugly effects that the pressure to generate genius on demand can have on the creative brain, and how you, like my guests, can better protect your most vulnerable and most valuable tool of the trade. So if you're the owner of a creative brain, keep listening. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hi, Matt here, and in this episode, I'm chatting to Tony Malcolm, who's a monumentally successful writer, creative director, and proud owner of a French chateau. Yes, I shit you not, this man owns an effing castle. For those of you who don't know Tony, he and his equally impressive creative partner of 30 years, Guy Moore, have been responsible for writing some of advertising's best loved work, including that belter of a Nike commercial they call Park Life. This, by the way, is still a fan's favourite 25 years later. Um, if you've not seen this, this ad, um, go and check it out on YouTube because, quite frankly, it's one of those films that never gets old and is um, bloody awesome. Um, since the early 80s, Tony's worked for with and help build some of the most creative brains on the planet at places like Saatchi and Saatchi, Lagos Delaney, Steel Price Lintas, Simons Palmer, CDP, TBWA, Abbott Mead Vickers, Wyden and Kennedy, Leo Burnett, and then DDB Chicago as their executive creative director on McDonald's. Over the years, Tony's won a lorry load of awards, and by that I mean a fucking convoy lorry load of awards, and despite this, he as funny, approachable and grounded as a human being possibly can be. I mean, this guy, if anyone's got a reason to have a really big head, this guy has it. But um, amazingly, mate, I kudos. Well grounded, brother. Um, despite the fact that our paths cross at widens back in the early 2000s and the fact that he's written some of my favourite headlines that the world of advertising's ever created, we'd never met or spoken before this chat, which is um, pretty surprising. We don't know how the hell we managed that. Um, but because um, because he's such a lovely bloke and because he's so open, because he's so honest and because he's so, quite frankly, decent, um, it felt like I'd known him forever. So I'm going to start waffling now because um, let's turn this thing over to the living legend himself Mr. Tony Malcolm. Hi, Tony. Thanks for coming on to the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. And lovely to have you. It's a very nice house there you're living in. <laughs> yeah, I've done all right in life, actually, I think. You've done very well. They're very nice, lovely fireplace, lovely candles. Those who can't see it, and DNAD pencils around oh, as well, which is so. Uh, I didn't even realise they were there. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of people who have probably been living under a rock for uh, the last few years, um, can we just start by saying a little bit about who you are, what it is that you do, and why it is that you do what you do? Yeah. So uh, for people who don't know who I am, I'm Tony Malcolm. I've been in the business and I was um, trying to work it backwards and I started in the 80s at Saatchi and Saatchi when they were doing you know the uh, Conservative Party account I'd started there as they were doing things like Labour isn't working so it goes that far back so it's been about 30 I think it's 38 years now 38 years 
uh, in the business. And I started as a copywriter. I still am a copywriter. And that's my stock and trade. Um, always been the word side of things, but I like to think that um, I can turn my hand to a little bit of art direction. As, mm -hmm. as I left college, it was a choice you were given. You know, do you want to be art director or a writer? And I just somehow gravitated towards the written word. So, um, so I've been a writer for all that time um, and a copywriter, but I've also been an ECD. I've been a creative director. I'm now a senior writer uh, to be for hire uh, in the freelance world, which is a very interesting way of, of working compared to the discipline of being in a, in a department Departments I've run, departments I've been in, you know, um, as we were talking about, you know, very, very competitive uh, departments with real heavy hitters in there. So um, within the, the whole uh, theme of what this is about pressure-proof creative, I've dealt with a lot of pressure in my life. And, um, and I don't know how affected I am from that. I think that there's times I've thrived in it. Other times I've almost gone under because of it. So, um, and it's it is it's a it's a great industry to be in. Let's never never underestimate that. That it's a great great industry to be in, where you're allowed to get away with things that you wouldn't in any other industry. And I certainly have, you know. And um, but I'm I'm still in there, still like swinging, still writing good lines, still writing good scripts. Um, I've worked with Guy Moore for many of those years, uh, what, 35 of those years with Guy. And uh, we were Tony and Guy, the hairdressers, which uh, was, all, yeah. was was we hated at first, but then we, we learned to embrace <laughs> it. You know, so, um, yeah, with Tony and Guy, the hairdressers, and we, we, I think we developed through all the agencies we worked at to become pretty good at TV. But also we got we've got lots of work in DNAD and around the world. But yes, that's who I am. That's what I've been doing within my within my professional career, within my uh, personal life. I'm a um, I'm a father of three, and those are the three best things I've ever created. Um, I'm also a Fulham fan for my sins, you know. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always loved sport, which is why I think that Nike is something that I've done well in. Um, yeah. And you know, so, and I, to some degree, I still get out, I still run, I still try to to keep up to speed with with um, what's happening in the sports world, which is not much at the moment because we're in the coronavirus uh, pandemic. But um, and I can't wait for football to start again. What, what would you say? If, I mean, you mentioned there about coronavirus, and we are in, a, in the kind of middle to the middle to end of this period, or certainly the first wave of whatever yeah. may come. What have you? What have you? What if anything have you learnt about yourself within this period of time? Well, I think you know how easily bored I can be, um, mm -hmm. and this is where you have to motivate yourself. So, without the without a brief to write to, without being a deadline to work to, without all those things that we we have around us as support systems in the industry, I've had to start, you know, being a bit more self-motivational. So I've been writing a book. Um, I've been writing a book about something I'm doing at the moment, which is I've bought a chateau in France. 
and it comes with lots of challenges and interesting anecdotes that are to be told and interesting characters you meet. And um, so I'm trying to put it into a book. And that's been a discipline, another discipline that I'm finding really interesting because copy has changed over the years. I mean, I, I worked at Liga Stellani where, you know, every ad you did, it was like guy used to just put in lots of gray lines. He'd have his, his uh, magic marker and sort of like go, and I was watching him putting all these lines in thinking, calm down guy, I don't want to write that many words, you know, so, but it was, it used to be typically 600 words of copy you'd have to do for an ad for nationwide, you know, or, or technically bit or anything, you know, so um, I used to watch him doing these lines and, and um, it gave me a great grounding to write, especially with Tim as his taskmaster, Tim Delaney, of course, um, and he had to really you know, think about you know, taking a piece of copy into Tim was terrifying. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, you, I learned through that discipline, especially with they gave me a typewriter and this is not like we, we, I'm going back when it was just you know tap 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 typewriters and um, and I had to learn it was the old one finger shuffle we used to call it where it was a tap 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 doing um, doing scripts it was the first time I'd written scripts and it was an unbelievable uh, training place at Liga Stellani you learn your craft you learn how to assemble an argument into a coherent stream of consciousness and um you know some of it was funny you know stuff we did for technically bitter but had to be funny then you have to you know sort of like assemble the argument for that it, it was a great place to work to learn your craft do you think that was an amazing training ground for you to write a book now yeah i, I it's interesting because you learn how to i mean it's you can put and at the beginning of, of paragraphs you know you you can you, you learn you you make it simple, you make the argument simple, you write it, and this came from studying David Abbott and how he did it as well, you know, a cadence and a rhythm he used to talk about. And it was like, let's not make it long rambling sentences, let's make it short, you know, and it looked good, it looked good on a layout. So mm. let's mm. keep that rhythm going so that you don't get bored halfway through, you get to the bottom and you go, Right, I'm going to phone that number, fill in that uh, coupon, as it was in them days, coupons on ads. And you know, it's, um, it did give the discipline to write a book because you have to hold attention uh, and also entertain. Entertainment was, part of, was a big part of what we did. You know, um, comedy, you know, making sure that um, people wanted to read it, didn't get bored after the first two lines. And I think that throughout my, my life in the, in the industry, copy has taken a bit of a beating. But yes, I, th I think that the writing of a book has, it, it has helped me write more. Um, I suppose you have to create visuals in your head as you're writing. And, you know, that's, it, advertising has definitely helped me do that. And what kind of pressures do you find yourself under when you're writing a book as opposed to writing copy and writing for a client? Because in some ways, you will, are you the client or is the reader the client? But you're, you're working for a different audience here. The pressure, the pressure is different. The pressures of um, 
long long length, you know, trying to hold uh, people's attentions through, you know, uh, how many thousands of words are, are going into it. And you can break it into chapters to make it. So the first challenge is constructing it, uh, you know, in your head, right, here's, here's point A, here's point B. How do I get from A to B without losing people in the middle? But, you know, within that, I think that people just like to read. I think that people like to like lose themselves and have a bit of escapism in there, take them to places within their imagination they've never been to before. And try and, try and keep that, that interest level going through the whole way through a book. I think that it's like any film, it's like any book. You can remember a book just for one little part of it, but the rest is fillers and padding, but you still found it very much uh, essential to get you to that point. Sorry about my emails coming in. But, um, <laughs> and it's, I think that there is, you know, that there, there is a big pressure that has come to bear that you get bored. You can get bored of your own voice, your own voice in your head that whilst you're writing, your voice is telling you what to write. And then you start having an argument with your own voice in your head. And you think, oh, that's bollocks. And then you read back what you've read, what you've written. And you think, what is that about? You know, so you have to go back and possibly edit it, you know, rewrite it. And that is a tough discipline to, to, um, to put yourself through. And, but I think advertising and the discipline you have within that, within what you've done, to meet a brief, um, it does help. Do you think the voice inside your head is always your voice that helps you create these things? Not at all. I, I mean, I, I, I've done, uh, I've also written for a magazine as well about mental health issues, um, one of which was about the many voices in my head. And yeah. it was uh, that as I went through the industry, I always found that on my pad, I was doodling a lot. I was doodling and I've done that for years. And I collected a, a, about a decade's worth of old layout pads with all these doodles on them. And I cut them out and stuck them all down, thousands of them in a, in a, in a sort of form of a question mark. And I called it the voices in my head because there's always these different voices coming at me some, you know, sometimes I'm a bit of a, a, a lad, you know, a bit of a soccer lad, you know, like a bit of banter down the pub. But then again, sometimes I'm like a bit of intellectual sort of like stim, stimulus and will read quite a heavy book, you know. So sometimes there's, there's all these different voices coming in with different tonalities. Um, makes me sound schizophrenic, but... Um, Possibly there is a bit of schizophrenia in there. But yeah, I think that you sometimes within the industry, you have to write, you have to find the tone of voice of a brand, which will be different from Nike to PlayStation, will be different from a bank to, to a car company. And it's like finding those, those brand tonalities. You have to have lots of different voices going on in your head. 
I think that's part of your. I think I, I 100% agree. I think that's part of your success in having such a long and successful career is that you're able to put your head into other people's heads and talk yeah. in the way that they talk and use their language, use their tongue. I think it's part of the problem is that if you can't do that, then I think you're going to struggle to have a long career. But if you can literally talk, but you could be the woman down the street to the, the man up the hairdressers to the person on the football stadium to X, Y, and Z, I think that's where the strength is. You have to be able to do that. I think so. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, it's there is a joy in finding those those tonalities. I mean, I even can find that whilst I'm writing or, you know, I tend not to sit and think about it too much. I just write and write and write. And you just put it down. I haven't been thinking about it. It's just there. It's, sub, it's in my subconscious. And it will just come out and you just go, oh, look, who's, look at that. That's good, isn't it? And I love doing that. It's um, it is a big part of who I am as as a writer. Is that where the Tui line came from? The ability to kind of separate away from the problem and just let it fall out when it when it was ready. I think that's it. Yeah, it's I. I it is like somebody is writing through you. Sometimes it's, it sounds a bit of pretentious wank, but you know it is like <laughs> it, because you are just writing without thinking. It's like free flowing, and something comes out, and then you stop and think, "Who wrote that?" Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, when it happens, it's a it's a great thing. You know, it, it's. Um, I wish I could take credit for it, but you know, somebody else has to. What would you say is your proudest moment in your career? What would be your proudest moment? The thing you're most proud of? Um, I am a, a sportsman. Um, I've always played football, but. Uh, Sunday league level. Um, you know, some people say I could have put on pro, of course, but um, you know, I discovered fans and drink and women, <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> after that, my fitness yeah, levels went downhill, <laughs> and, and my interest levels were somewhere else. But you know, um, I've always loved football, um, so to have written part life, uh, yeah. for those of you who don't know it, it was. Um, it was at a time where where um, Nike was was renowned for doing things that were like Eric Cantona putting up his collar and saying "Oh wow," you know, and it was all it was all pyrotechnics and like very you know it was all high post production, and I think that where Nike was struggling against Adidas and Umbro and other um, sports companies is they had no credibility in football they did in mm. in sort of like basketball and <clears throat> um athletics and stuff like that uh, especially in american football um and basically it was i remember at the time i went to portland in oregon to um try and educate them about what football was as i you know they would call it soccer said no it's football <laughs> And uh, I told them all about, as a Fulham fan, how I used to, you know, how it was not glamorous. You used to go to away games up north with open ends and you were getting rained on and eating pies and, you know, um, coming away on a horrible coach after a 5 nil drubbing. And that was very, you know, a very common thing when as a football fan of Fulham. And, you know, it, and then I said, and then when you go on the... You get up on Sunday morning, you have a fry up, you you go you go and meet some of your mates from a pub football team and you sort of, um, I mean, I used to 
play for a team that was part of a, a, um, a pub team called AKA Red Lion, also known as Red Lion. We were the B team. And I used to meet up with all these guys that used to turn up in the transit van. Um, some were smoking joints. Some were, um, one bloke had just finished stripping, as in he was a male stripper, <laughs> came in his bangly thong. You know, and it was one just before kickoff. One guy vomited in the centre circle, and it was like that's football. You know, it's not yeah. all this glam, and and it said if you want to get to the hearts and minds of of English football fans or British football fans, you have to reflect that side of it, and that's what it was. It suddenly, um, I mean, one of the very first tunes that guy and I thought of was Part Life, and. I'm, I'm not going to name who it was, said, isn't that a bit old? Can't we get something a bit more, you know, uh, up to date? And we went, spent a year trying to find a different um, tune, which, you know, w- w- was to no avail, really. We found some great, yeah. great music, but part life was really what it should be. And we went full circle. And it was a music uh, woman called Michelle from Amber who said, about part life and we said well yeah we we think it should be part life she said well go for part life then and um that almost made up our mind for us and we went to meet jonathan glazer at a pub uh it was the coffee house in soho and as we Lovely sat, place. yeah great, great. <laughs> oh i can't wait for pubs to open again <laughs> all those days <laughs> but, but um as we sat down to talk to him part life came on there and on the jukebox and that sort of nailed it for us. You know, we're saying... Jukebox, I love it. Yeah, the jukebox. It's like, look, you know, football fans don't care what's what's trendy or what's trending, or they just like good old anthems or bangers. And that's what part life was. And then, and obviously, from saying, you know, fixing that down, we then built everything around around that tune. Obviously, Guy Guy had um, bought in a paper one day and it just said, The Old Man of the Marshes. And it was this old fella who was about 96, still playing on Hackney Marshes. And we said, well, let's put it there. You know, all it is is 22 players on a park. Let's get the biggest um, piece of land dedicated to football in Europe. And that was it. We just said, we went down to um, Hackney Marshes. Uh, we filmed just filmed or put guys stripped in Eric Cantona against a one of those big gas sort of like cylinder things. And it was like, yes, this is different. This is different from au revoir and, you know, big crowds of, of flare holding, flag waving, you know, um, fans. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola exactly. bollocks. Exactly. And it, <laughs> it was just grassroots down to every element of that. And um, I, I'm probably going into far too uh, long an explanation, but um, no, it's lovely to hear. It's really, yeah. I've never, I've never heard this story. Yeah, I mean, I, this is this is, and it, it was we shot it at the end of the season, the, the 97-98 season, and we had obviously um, we had the players turning up. So we we'd already sort of got all the extras. There was 200 of them, you know, and they were playing on every single pitch. And, and we didn't tell them what they were just turning up for a Nike shoot. We didn't tell them that Eric Cantona was turning up. <laughs> and um, Eric Cantona turned up and there was this guy, number 22 or whatever his name, he was playing in one of these Sunday league teams. And we said, 
And I think it was Jonathan said, mate, mate, you're, you're going to have to sit this one out. He said, why? He said, well, we've got this guy filling in for you. And Eric Cantona <laughs> came. And he, this guy just said, great lookalike. And he was like, fuck me, it is Eric Cantona. And it was, it, it showed the juxtaposition that was needed to, to make that, you know, it, we're all just players. We all started on a park somewhere. But, you know, it was a real leveller. And instead of, Nike putting, you know, these, what they called assets up on a pedestal. We brought them down to, to the, the, the player and the fans level and said, right, they're just like you. And, and it, it, I think it really gave, you know, um, credibility to Nike. They understood it. In, and I think, well, they are now the number one brand in football. So um, it's hopefully Nike went some way to, well, part life went some way to to help them achieve that would you say there was a pressure on your shoulders to make that work i mean you're working on a huge massive brand and you've taken to to coin the word i hate the most in the world right now pivot on them (laughs) (laughs) what were the pressures like to kind of go this is gonna work or did you just go this is gonna work no i mean i (laughs) we didn't know it was gonna work um in fact, when we'd even completed it, there was one person who, within Simon's Pineroo, said, well, oh, I think you might have a bit of a turkey on your hands. And it, <laughs> because it was so different, they were going, they wanted to see the pyrotechnics. They wanted to see this, that, and the other. Um, so, which was, we thought, oh, my God, we spent a year doing this, and we've got a turkey on our hands. And, I mean, it is very, it's very, I hate that word, turkey, because I hate that part in campaign. Turkey. Yeah. Turkey. <laughs> turkey. Turkey. Yeah. I just say, oh, fuck off. You know, I mean, I, it's, it's, and they don't pick the worst ads, to be honest, because no. the, the worst ads are just not even worth calling a turkey. But um, yeah, it was, it, the pressure was brought to bear very early on because this was the follow on film from a, from what Chris and Mark did and Tony Kay, which was a beautiful film, brilliant film, uh, which was called Kick It. And, um, you know, it's like, that's pressure. (laughs) Yeah. That had won two pencils uh, and you're going, shit, we got to follow on from something that's won two pencils. And, you know, that brings enough, you know, uh, pressure to bear on its own. So it was what you were following on from. and you know, Nike had such a, a fantastic reputation through what Widens had done. Simon's Palmer were always biting at their heels and doing some fantastic work. You know, um, some of my <clears throat> personal favourites. The um, the '66 was a great year for Fucking English football. Yeah. Eric was born. I mean, that was yeah. that was written in the room next door, and. It was written by a guy called Giles Montgomery, and he just put it, he just written it on a tiny bit of paper and stuck it on his wall. And I remember walking in, because we all used to go and have a look around each other's offices and have a look at what you've got on the wall. And I saw this piece of paper the size of, of a postage stamp, and it, it said that line. I went, oh, shit, you know. And I knew that there was nothing I could do to better that. And it, once again, it was a great, great, um, great poster. And you've got all the rest of the posters that were coming out of Simon's Palmer at the time, you know, want the ball, go buy one, behind every great goalkeeper. 
you know, yeah, than right. Michael or Jordan. <laughs> you know, so it, great. Yeah. So there was, there was so much good work. So that brings pressure to bear that you've got all those eyes looking at you and um, it's, the bar had been set at a very high, high sort of like level. And um, so, and we didn't know, we didn't know that we'd beaten it. We didn't know that we'd even come up anywhere close to it, but we did win three pencils. So we beat kick it in the end, but you know, uh, it's not like for like, it's just that uh, within DNAD, it did very well. Within CAN, didn't do anything because it was so British, you know, in, yeah, in that respect. Did the pressure change when you suddenly you got three pencils in your belt for for one spot? Did the pressure change then of like fuck, <laughs> we've got to do this again and again and again? Yeah, I mean, they obviously there's there is an elite of creatives. There was there was then and there you know those people are still around, but it's a different it's different now. Everything's different. There was almost like. Um, yeah, I've worked at Abbott Mead Vickers. So um, after I'd been at TB, left TBWA, went to Abbott Mead Vickers, and there was, I think that you were talking to Ben Kay, and he he talked about that floor full of of almost gods. You know, he walked in there, and it was almost like you went through dry ice into this thing where there was this <laughs> godlike man with white hair called David Abbott, and um, <laughs> he was surrounded by superstars you know and you you do feel that that i these are my new competition you know i once you've reached um reached a certain level you have to maintain it and that is the hardest thing i mean it's yeah. um as i was saying i was watching um the last dance with michael jordan and once he got to that level where he was the best basketball player in the world it was then how can he maintain that? How can he maintain that at like level of competitiveness of of excellence? But I think it is it's. I think that's about being driven and being passionate and yeah. being being um, you know not settling for second best. And once you've got that, I think that you've just got to keep that going. I mean, it might be unsustainable, and obviously within your within what you're doing. Um, pressure-proof creative, you know, it's pressure does can wear you down. It can, it can play heavy on your mind. Uh, it, it can have devastating effects and it can cause burnout. Um, and I, I know for a fact that that's happened to some really, really top talented people who've, who've, um, you know, had panic attacks and said, look, I can't go back to work. You know, it's, the, the anxieties that are brought to bear because of, of the pressures, I mean, can have devastating mental effects. And I think that talking about the pandemic, I think at the moment, there's a lot of people out there who are under pressure in a way that they've never experienced before. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, when we were talking just before we started this interview, it's like, I think there's going to be a, another pandemic of mental health issues uh, that will follow on that would have uh, an equally devastating effect for, for people. I think that is something we need to start figuring out. How can we protect ourselves against some of that stuff in order to create the stuff we want to be creating? 
not the horror movies that are happening in our heads right now. But I think that the industry is now geared more to help with those those issues. I think that back in the day, uh, it was it was almost a badge of honour that you worked silly hours, you worked yeah. the weekend, you you. Um, I mean, I when I was expecting my my first child, uh, it was a person within the industry said of me, that's his career over. So, so it's like, I know, it's what a crazy thing to say. You know, you mm. can't have children because that will distract you from doing ads. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it, it's only advertising, you know, it, but we, we built it into this, into this thing, into an art form, if you want, that, um, that demanded all of your, your, your attention, demanded every, you know, we didn't have the perfect life work balance back in the day. It was all work, work, work. And it was like all driven towards success within awards and, you know, within, within you know, uh, getting a position, you know, a promotion. Uh, I think now that people have got the work-life balance a little bit more, um, in, I think it's, it's, well, you've got HR departments there to help that. You know, you've got mental health uh, first aid officers in, in the office now, or when everyone gets back to the office eventually. <laughs> you know, um, and I think that people are encouraged to like, look after their mental health because nobody who runs a business wants their most sort of, like, precious commodity Sort of like being mentally unable to function. So I think that that's suddenly being built in more, which is good. But I think that people still add their own um, their own mental pressures towards you know achieving. What advice would you give to someone who's in the industry now? And it's someone at your level has been it for doing it for as long as you have. It's not just about someone who's a junior coming to this industry. How would you give it to someone who's a leader in this business? I mean, you've had lots of leadership positions because there's a huge amount of pressure. And I do think that coming out of this um, pandemic thing we're going through, the pressures are not going to be less than they were. They're going to be a lot heavier. I think that we're going to have a lot of brands and clients who are going to be a lot more demanding because they're going to want stuff yeah. faster, cheaper, Etc. 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 What advice would you give people who are going to walk back into this? Um, in some ways, a fucking shitstorm. Yeah, uh, and it is a shitstorm. Um, I, I myself worry about that. I mean, I working from home is a discipline within its own right. You know, um, it's. I think that I've always been working in offices, and the office, you know almost fuel me yeah, with the banter, with the people you work with. You know, mm. when you're a leader, your um, people come into your office, you have to, you have to uh, soothe their fevered brows and their bruised egos. You have to put an arm around them sometimes. Sometimes you have to give them a kick up the arse, you know, but you have to think about the consequences of what you say or do or how you treat somebody. Uh, thankfully, within my time as a as a leader or a creative director i've n not fired a single person and it's I, I i i'm not sure if that is a something to be proud of but you know it's it's almost like because i never did 
I'd have failed. If I had to fire somebody, I'd have failed. You know, so I've always um, tried to bring people up. And I mean, I, I've had some of the best creative leaders who are in the industry now who've worked under, under me. And, uh, and <laughs> so, awesome. <laughs> so hopefully uh, I've been quite successful in, in giving people you know, um, encouragement because I, I think encouragement is a difficult thing to get right. I mean, I, encouragement is, takes the pressure off, but like, adds a little bit of impetus to like, saying, you need to do it. We want you to produce the best work of your lives. That's always, you know, we want you to give you all the, um, all the leeway in the world to do that. You know, um, often we were pushing people to, to be braver, you know, but I think within, within going now, if you're working from home, then you've not got anyone to do that. They're doing it on Zoom. Um, I think it's difficult because mm. as soon as Zoom's turned off, you've got other distractions at home, you know, and, um, and you haven't got that camaraderie to, 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 like, um, to really feed off. But, you know, I think that when people go back, um, I think that working from home is going to be with us for a long time. I think that, you know, it's, it's going to change the way the industry is. Um, I think that people, obviously, businesses um, have to sort of look at their bottom line, how much, um, how much floor space can we afford? And people are going to say, look, We've got, we're paying for too much floor space here. Let's like get it down to smaller floor space, get rid of that floor, that floor. And suddenly, you know, it's, it's going to be a business decision. So I think that people are it's going to find a new way of working. And I think as advertisers and as creatives and as marketers, it's our job, part of our job is to step up and pull people out of that misery and kind of think, no, we've got to inspire hope. We've got to inspire optimism because if we don't, do we deserve to exist as a brand? No, exactly right. And I think that there's going to be certain brands that will come out of this, you know, and find that new, their new, they find their stride. They'll, they'll come out. I mean, when we were younger, it was all beer and sweets. And, you know, they, those were the bags, you know, it was, those were the, yeah. the, the brands that were doing great advertising. And they came out of adversity where they'd been banned. And there's going to be something that will will rise up that we we can't even see it coming yet i mean i sure yeah. i'm sure a, a futurist of somebody who who discovers the trends of of marketing is probably looking now and saying Do you know what put your money in this but there's going to be something that will will emerge i mean they, the high streets dying um yeah. there's going to be a lot of shops going under uh, you know really well known names obviously amazon you know, it, it, all these delivery services are going to be producing, hopefully, more interesting work than they have up until now. But, you know, there's going to be winners and losers. And, um, you know, there's the things we've been talking about have, were great in their day. Hopefully they will continue to be great as they go forward if they find, you know, a, a way to talk about this new normal. Um, and how that's going to impact on everyone's lives. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. Who's, who's going to be confident, come out of it confident, and sort of say, right, we're not just going to sort of um, batten down the hatches. We're going to come out fighting, you know. And I think that's going to be 
interesting to see how that that pans out. I think it is, and I think it's who's going to be relevant yeah. moving forwards, isn't it? You've got to be you've got to be confident, ballsy, brave, and bold because you've got to cut. You're going to have to cut through a lot of negative emotional states right now, yeah. and you've got to be relevant to the way that the people's mindsets have shifted, understandably. Yeah. And it's kind of like when we talked about before this kind of things about brands having purpose. I mean. <laughs> We're talking about in a way that brands pretended to have purpose. It's now, if you, I, I don't think if you haven't really genuinely got a purpose that you can prove very, very solidly, then I don't know if you are that relevant. I don't know if I miss much of it. And I think that's another thing that's been quite an interesting one. I don't miss the commercial um, commodity thing about going out and buying stuff. Before this, I loved buying stuff. Yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved consuming sad to say i loved consuming now i just i don't miss it that's a really good point i mean i, I don't miss it i think that people have, have reassessed their lives in this there's mm. going to be you know things we're going to learn from it i'm um, you're right consumerism is one of them but you know things that we used to take for granted like going down the pub going eating going to restaurants you know i mean they whether there's certain things you know and what's important in life and let's let's be honest i mean they every day when you watch politicians on the box lying through their teeth and you mm. see that that um, death toll going up into the 40,000s i mean they the the impact of that I and mean, i think we forget you know as 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 many of us who have probably more privilege to to not lost people or, or suddenly mm -hmm. things you know to losing your partner in life losing you know mum and dad and it's they're like people are going to come out of this with their lives changed forever and um you know it's i think it will make people reassess their values i think you know yeah. what is important in life and whether buying loads and loads of clothes and what car you've got or where you go on holiday and this that, and that all of that will probably change uk we'll probably go holidaying in uk more we're probably won't travel abroad quite as much or you know, it, it's I think this the, the big thing that has probably stopped is people's um was it the FOMO FOMO fear of missing out we've yeah, all, you yeah. know we're all we're all in this in the same situation um I don't look at anyone's feed and say you know whether it's on Facebook not seeing him go wow, they're, they're really living it large at the moment. I'm really jealous. I don't think, <laughs> you know, it's, I, so there's things that you realise what you can do without, you know, and, and maybe when we come out of this, we just go, well, I don't need to go back there. Uh, and that's going to be interesting. I think it's really interesting. You touched on a really powerful word there because I was going to ask you what makes a pressure-proof creative. And I think one of the strongest things about being a pressure-proof creative and being pressure-proof to anyone yeah. is knowing what your values are, yeah. knowing what your core values are, your most deeply held, cherished, unconscious values are. Because yeah. I think one of the things I've noticed from doing this for a few years now is that there are three things that people tend to lose sight on, and that's when they start to crumble and break and snap and burn out etc it's a sense of self a sense of purpose and a sense of perspective well perspective has been blown out the window by forces outside of our control do you know I mean it's kind of like wow i didn't even see any of this coming i don't know where the world's up or down at the moment but now i think people are looking inwards and go well who am i sense of self or who who am i purpose yeah. what am i put on this 
planet to do well you need to know what your values are what do i value most deeply yeah and i think that if people really get into knowing what their values are and their belief systems are what their ethics are what their morals are what their worldviews are and start building their lives around that pressure proofing beyond even creativity is going to be better for everyone because when you're solid to the core like an athlete when you're kind of that you've got that really strong solid uh, locus of control yeah my self-identity, my self-image is anti-fragile. You can pretty much throw many missiles, but you won't crumble. Yeah. And I think that when you talk about purpose, I mean, I, it still, I'm, I still, when people ask me about that, I, I think about, you know, apples, here's to the crazy ones. They summed up a purpose within that. You know, they didn't show a single computer. But their purpose was here's to the crazy ones because you know nobody liked to talk about crazy people it was it was like the sensible people you know it was yeah <laughs> it was in reaction to microsoft being for the number crunches you know and it was suddenly here's to the crazy ones we're putting design into this we're putting in we're we're, we're making it desirable we're not just a beige box and it was it suddenly it's about art and self-expression and it's about all those things that are precious to a creative mind and that to me set out the purpose of what they, they were all about and it's I, I still think it's fresh to that today i think the other ad was the independent listening ad you know um yeah. it, you know it is are you you know don't do this don't do that it was it was like right this is our position this is what, what, what we're going to stand for in life we're going to be both are very much about the the sort of like the renegade uh, in in or the maverick, and I think that even Nike was always about the maverick. Eric Cantona, the maverick, you know, even when he steamed into the crowd at Crystal Palace with his boots, they stuck by him, you know. So it's it's like there's it's maverick brands because people want people because we don't trust politicians anymore. That's it. You know, they, we want people we can trust or who are going to talk in the voice that we understand and have have empathy with us. I don't, I, I, you know, I'm sick and tired of watching the, the Downing Street briefing every day because they're saying the same thing over and over again. It, and, and you know, you, I d don't get any anything from them. It just feels like it's all lies and it's all like sub, subterfuge and... I'm looking for something more authentic now. Somebody talks in my tone of voice, and I think a lot of people will be looking for that. And a brands, brands have to pick up on that. Hopefully, that bravery will come from. I 100% agree, and it's quite it's kind of controversial potentially to say, but is as as have advertisers got a taste of their own medicine by having to watch all these bullshitters on the news? Is that not what people who are watching our advertising were thinking most of the time? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Again, why are these people just bullshitting me consistently and continually? Yeah. Why can't they just be authentic and honest? Yeah. And and I mean, maybe we've gone. Hang on a second. Yeah. Oh, fucking right. Well, how can we do that then? Because it's a great opportunity, isn't it? It's a fantastic time you look at it like that. Well, it is. It's great. It's like this is this is the environment. What we're going to do to kick against it? Again, yeah. fake news against these. Right. I mean, even when you look at Boris and and Trump, you know, and, and there is with it. I don't want to get into that because <laughs> that's a different <laughs> podcast in its own right. But we we just don't we don't identify with them anymore. They they. They come from a world of privilege, you know, and it's like, let's let's 
start, you know, you, we know what they're doing to us. We know we're being spun. We know we're being lied to. I mean, within this, everything that we're all um, having to deal with at the moment, fake news, misinformation, all these things that we, day by day, we, we've just got more and more confused. And more of our brains, you talk about pressure, you know, all of this, yeah. what do I believe anymore? What is it all about? Where, where am I going in life? What, what's my future? You know, all these things are bringing a huge amount of pressure on not to just creative brains, but onto you know everyone's brain and so i think that's overwhelm yeah yeah i think we are overwhelmed without a doubt and Mm. i hear so many people talking about how the world sped up but what we're producing is less effective especially in 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 marketing it's like it's coming at you it's coming at you it's coming nobody's stopping to say what is this is this working you know is is out sort of like sort of like huge output of comms sort of like um having the desired effect you know we've seen big companies going under but they've been doing this for a long time and you know it's like is it working i think we all have to really have a long look at it and say what is working yeah it's a big old audit isn't there and kind of going what was this designed to do what was it what is it still doing it what can we do to make it better and and again going back to your two thing about delete sometimes the greatest innovation is what you did it take away not what you had yeah. Well, I think sometimes it's if the next innovations, I think is to get rid of a lot of the bullshit that's not going to run it because we've got enforced into that situation where a lot of the the peripheral stuff has been taken away from us. Yeah. We didn't ask for it to be, but it, we did. And it, life became a bit simpler. And aren't we all looking for a bit of simplicity in life? I mean, I talk to a lot of people, obviously, with coaching. And a lot of them want to live a simpler life. Oh, I just want it to be simpler. I want to slow down a bit. Well, we've been given the opportunity. Now it's the time to look at the opportunity and go, what aren't I, what are my non-negotiables moving forwards? What am I not willing to sacrifice? If I want to keep myself mentally and emotionally safe and happy and robust and anti-fragile, what have I learned? I'd encourage everyone to do that and kind of yeah. do this audit and kind of go, what have I learned that I'm not willing to sacrifice? I'm not letting it go. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not letting that go. Keep hold of that. Yes. Stick to it because I tell you what, the bloody world will try and make you, make you let go of it. Yeah. But I think it's up to us as individuals, the owners of our own brains to kind of go, nope, non-negotiable. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously throughout my career within advertising, um, I've had a lot of mental challenges, you know, and, and I've used um, certain things to try and um, you know, overcome that, combat it. So mindfulness being one of them, you know, um, and I think that we'd suddenly all become a lot more mindful of things that we hadn't noticed before. Like I've got a robin chirping away outside the window. <laughs> it's a lovely sound, isn't it? Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> sound. And, you know, and, you know, as you walk around, you, you just think I've got more time to reflect on this and think about it. And, and enjoy it you know and i think that we're always projecting ahead we're always projecting ahead you know um that's when you're asked about you know the voices in my head there's one that's always saying what if that goes wrong what if that goes wrong what if that happens what if this 80 percent of everything you worry about doesn't happen so you know <laughs> yeah. just sticking the present deal with that do put one foot in front of the other and enjoy what's there you know we, we I mean, it, once again, I read a lot of wanky stuff, but, you know, um, <laughs> we're human beings, you know, and, you know, we, we can be human doing, but most of the time we're being and just being. I mean, it's a pleasure just sitting here talking to you. I mean, like, I'm, yeah. I'm loving having a chat. We're just being 
we haven't met before and now feel like we know each other really well. <laughs> the skies have been blue. The weather's been incredible. There's no planes flying over here. I can hear the birds. You know, it, there's so many good things. And, and the fact it's happened during spring without getting too new age and going around hugging trees, I have enjoyed that. And it's been good for my brain to sort of like declutter and sort of like just don't worry so much, you know, just worry about the things you can deal with, you know, it, which is putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, you know it's, and it's all there for us. And I think a lot of people have found it refreshing amidst all the horrible, terrifying bad news that, you know, we, we've been given time to reassess. And I think you're dead right. What do we keep hold of after this that we've learned during this time of isolation, you know, very much so because it's kind of it's, i think we've learned the things that we're going to keep hold of as well are the things that don't actually cost us anything yeah yeah i think someone said a wonderful thing because i haven't driven a car for a long time now and somebody goes um i oh, don't have to worry about coming his car getting 600 miles mine's currently doing 12 weeks to the gallon <laughs> that's true true <laughs> you say i don't need the car no i mean you suddenly once again these are things like that you you reassess. I mean, everyone's going to be encouraged to get on their bikes and like, you know, walk. You know, wow, walk. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, wow. Amazing. Well, really? I, I have, the one thing I don't miss is having to get on the tube to go into London, the travelling, the commuting, you know, that is yeah. pretty horrific. And I think we now, when the day that I do have to get back on, it will make, it will be a real shock to the system. You know, um, that's where, Obviously, two hours out of my day to travel, you know, on a horrible packed tube into work, a horrible packed tube coming out of work, you know, and which is pro probably where most people have been catching, you know, coronavirus. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I would never miss that. You know, it's something that, you know, it, apart from you are not observing the world as much, I mean, I, I'm not observing so much of the world from my own living room as I would be if I was like, interacting with people. But yeah, you know, we we now interact in a different way. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm interacting with you, you know, and, and getting to know you. I mean, I, I hated shaking hands with people in the first place anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I don't particularly want to shake hands with people. I think it's a, yeah. a really old-fashioned thing that you yeah. out whether they've got a weapon or not. You know, it's like, yeah. what's that all about? It's a, elbow pump. Yeah, yeah, the elbow. Yeah. Now, <laughs> or, you know, I don't it's mind it. I think... Namaste, namaste, you know. That's yeah. that. <laughs> there you go. If someone coughs, it's like I'm legging it. Yeah, <laughs> even if I know even if I know you, if you cough, I'm legging it. I <laughs> So what, what do you think that um, agencies can do and businesses in general, not just creative aid, not just advertising agencies, what can they do moving forwards now? So people are going to have different expectations who are working there. We still need the expectation of them to be able to create the best work of their lives and careers, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think they need to do or, or certainly to consider in order to help them handle the pressure better? The pressures will be high. The pressures will be different, but what do you think that we need to do as leaders and as businesses in order to help our people manage that better so they can do the great work again? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that is the big all-consuming question of the, of the moment, isn't it? I mean, I, everyone's going to be talking about that. Um, I think that possibly 
independent agencies are better geared up to deal with it. I mean, like the big network agencies are going to, I mean, I think the big network agencies probably let a lot of people go very quickly. As soon as coronavirus hit, there was a lot of people were let go. Um, they're now going, those big agencies who've got a lot more stakeholders with a vested interest in the profits they're turning around are probably going to be looking at it again. So I think that, um, you know, once again, I mean, am I employed? That's the number one issue mm-hmm. that's going to create mental health problems for people. There's yeah. going to be a, a lot of people out there out of, out of business. We're all going to be, not out of business, out of a job. <clears throat> and we're all going to be fighting for fewer jobs that are going to be out there. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to deal with. I mean, like whether or not, you know, I, I am now the one good thing this has given me this time is getting used to what retirement is all about. You know, so yeah. will older creatives say, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm out of here now. I'm going to just take that in forced retirement. I think the only problem with that is we need experienced creatives to help bring the, the new talent through. You know, we've got you, people need mentors. As I was, 100%, 100%. I was talking to you earlier about gods, the gods of advertising. We used to have gods that we were like that about. I mean, I, when I started at Sarches, we had Paul Arden, we had Jeff Seymour, we had, you know, Jeff Stark. We had the, it was like the luminaries in there. It was incredible. And it was like, it was important to see them. And it was important to watch how they worked. And, but you needed their advice. So yeah. I think if we, if we just sort of, I think it's a very easy thing for agencies to say, they're expensive, they're expensive, they're expensive, get rid of them. But that would leave you, it's like saying, get rid of the captain of a ship. You know, it's like... Get, get, get rid of Gus D'Amato. Do you know what I mean? We'll pull Tyson up he's at the gutter himself. Do you know what I mean? He'll be yeah. fine. He's 20 some years old. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fucking Gus. You serious? He's got a gym. That's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it's going to be, you know, and I think that the, the older, more experienced people will help younger people with, with mental health issues. You know, um, I hopefully over my years of dealing with it can offer advice, like help people through those issues. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a, a, a mental health first aider, but you know, it, it, it's, you don't want to have somebody who's on the staff who's just done a course about it and go and see him for an hour. You know, it's it's about your everyday, how you approach work, how you do work, how you're handling. You know, and it's I think it's very important to have people in in positions where they do. You know, sort of saying, embrace people, bring them through, make them somehow feel not scared, make them feel brave, make them feel that that you know by doing that you have a, a very strong purpose within an organization you know it's a i think that where mental health where it's come from where it was when i was younger and i was having mental health issues there you wouldn't tell anyone you know it was very much something where you didn't talk about it because if you sort of like march yourself down as some form of nutcase or you know yeah it was like you were a liability now i do believe that sensitive people and i call them sensitive are valuable people because it's their sensitivity that makes them more creative i mean they they're not robots you know we we don't need robots we need people who are human and can think like the audience who are also humans 
And I think that we, you know, it's, this is where we need, you know, that, that, that arm around the people of, of younger generations to bring them through and not fear, not fear, live a life of fear. I 100% agree. I think it is. I think there is a big role for mentorship now. And I think it's absolutely I mean, it's like with the SCA are doing with with Mark at the SCA and stuff and getting those young, younger people who are coming in the industry, but giving them mentorship, exposing them to the brains who have been there and have have fought the battles have been knocked out a few times and come back fighting, etc, etc. Because you can't train, you can't train someone in a two day training, you can't train someone in a four year training in a school in a classroom, what it's like to get the shit kicked out of yourself, and then come back fighting again and again and again, you need to have been there. Yeah. And people need to hear that stuff. Because otherwise, you're right is that we are going to breed an army of of autonomous autonomous it's gonna they are going to blow up at some point and it's not one it's not a nice thing to do to another human being but it's a stupid business expense and let's just chuck all this money into these people and at some point within five years they're going to blow up yeah yeah i don't think that's wise if we haven't we've got less money then why would we be doing that exactly and i mean as you're saying I mean, I've failed so many times. I've been in situations where I've been fired, made redundant, like I'm not good enough, off you go. You know, and it it can have a very detrimental effect on your mental health, that sort of thing. But I mean, I I loved what Widens used to say. We used to have t-shirts that said embrace failure. Yes. Failure, you know, success is 90% failure, isn't it? So yeah. you know, to to give people the the actual um the right to fail or you know you're, you're allowed you're allowed to fail that's all right okay that wasn't as good as your last piece of work or yeah that's a load of crap i mean they i think that a lot of work is produced now just to fill meetings it's contracts of you've got to produce three routes viable routes to, to and if those don't go through there's another three coming in it's that's where we are filling, we, we are just filling, you know, um, decks or with lots of words and lots of visuals and trying to find a, something within that that has meaning, you know. Um, it, you've, you're going to fail within that. There's going to be, you're going to burn lots and lots of, of good ideas um, and, you know, you have to keep coming back for more. And, I mean, I taking what yours... <laughs> what your, um, your whole purpose is now about pressure-proof creative, you know, to take, declutter your brain, to sort of like give yourself a protective armour where you say, right, I can deal with that. That's not, that's not something I'm, I'm feeling like a failure, I'm going to go and curl up in a corner. Or, you know, it's, it's very important that people realise that, that they're, they're allowed to fail. I mean, within my, <clears throat> my career... I mean, you know, we, we came through just, it was after, just after the, um, after the madman, madman era, but there was mm-hmm. drink and drugs and everything within, within advertising was, you know, it's it part and parcel of what you did. If you didn't go down the, the pub j- at lunchtime, you're a job. <laughs> it was. We, I remember when we started at Sarchers, you'd go in, it'd be a sort of like, they just want a piece of business. There'd be bucks fizzes flowing <laughs> and you'd go down the pub at lunchtime. I mean, they, and then you'll be a party in the evening. And it was like, 
it was drink was all part and parcel of everything you do. I mean, they, now it's it's not. It's almost been compartmentalised. You know, it was like Ooh, you're going down the pub. Ooh, really, you know, it's almost <laughs> a bit naughty if you go down the pub, and you know, it's it's. Things like that, that, that like letting off steam. You know, nobody's letting off steam like they used to or allowed to let off steam. It's almost like there's a rule book of how to behave. And, you know, fair enough. I mean, I, I don't think any creative department particularly wants to see people pissed up walking, stumbling around the department anymore. But, you know, it's, it's, there used to be things where you could let off steam. You know, there used to be... Absolutely right. It's totally that is a very big point of it, isn't it? Yeah. Is that we played hard, but we we worked hard, but we played really fucking hard. Yeah. But the irony was when we were playing really hard is when we tended to come up with the great ideas. Yeah. <clears throat> it wasn't always when we were working hard or looking like we were working hard. Yeah. I mean, they, CDP when they were in at their height, you know, when they were doing great ads for Fiat, for Parker pens, for Walls, you know, it, Hamlet. They that was a a department full of dysfunctional people you know, who were who were sort of like they they were drinking like fish they were sort of yeah. like doing lots of irresponsible things but the work they produced was incredible magic yeah you yeah, still looked upon to today uh, as as you know things to aspire to um maybe their behavior is not to to be aspired to and probably they a lot of them might burn out in a different way but you know it was there's within within the sort of like creative mind you need to find ways of coping with it probably yeah. alcohol is not i wouldn't recommend that you know i wouldn't recommend any drugs you know to, to deal with that but with with the absence of them you know what what do you do to deal with that those pressures i mean i, I that's why i hope you are going to be hugely successful because we need somebody who has got a creative mindset to tell us how to to get through this the pressures come from inside probably more than outside most of the time pressure to look good the pressure to be brilliant the pressure to be perfect that is totally counterintuitive to the pressure that to the reality of being brilliant and creatively brilliant which is you've got to fuck it up was it was it the jordan stuff it says i, I succeed more than most because i failed more than yeah. most wasn't that yeah. like a commercial such a great bit of monologue so yeah. true and I, I think there's another thing is when we look at our heroes you know john webster you know we look at tom and wall we look at all these but for the great commercials they did or great piece yeah. of work but there was what they don't show i mean the great work was the tip of the iceberg there was yeah, a whole other. heap of shit that they did because we all did it. Yeah. I've done that hours, you know, and that's yeah. all right. I don't show them. I don't show them on my reel. I don't show them. I don't talk about them. It's all very well talking about part life. I don't talk about that really crap ad I did for Barclays iShares. You know, it's like, but we have to do, we have to sort of like put our brains to all sorts of problems and they won't all hit that, you know, 11 some will, you know, hit four, and you just go, oh, okay, put it down to experience, move on. I remember, remember one of our ones, early ones. I think it was at GGT, and it was, <laughs> I think it was B and Q or Home Base. It was one of those. It was a cracker of a one-page press ad. It was for barbecues, yeah. and the headline was: "This summer we predict high temperatures and low prices." <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. I mean, you, you, oh, it's a 
quid with it. Oh, the use I, of the language. I think that's where experience helps. You, 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 you understand the pitfalls and you've made the mistakes and you won't go there again, you know. And yeah. if, you know, if people expect you to produce genius in hours instead of weeks, we used to be given three weeks on a brief. Now we're lucky if we get three yeah. hours. But what you've got is you've got this huge accumulation of, of thinking that it's almost just, you've almost like hardwired your brain with it. You know, it's like, and it's, Suddenly, like you've got a vast warehouse of ideas, where it's a bit like um, Amazon's warehouse, where suddenly all these machines yeah. go, pull that out of there, you know, pull that idea out, or you know, or don't go there. There's a zone you don't go to. But you know, I always say that it's taken me, as I said at the beginning, 38 years to produce one ad. 38 years of experience to produce that. It's not. It's not quick. It's 38 years yeah. went into that. You know, so. It's it's yeah. you know there's battle scars and there's there's plenty of things that I don't look back at with any form of, of fondness, but there's you know quite a lot of good stuff in there that uh, that helped me to become who I am today. Hopefully, still creative, still producing, still able to 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 be of of, um, of a big benefit to agencies and clients. Well, I think that I still think that thing about mentorship is going. You, you're right, and I think there's going to be there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to be there anymore. But we still need the people who can. You've done that thirty plus years of experience. Well, if you expose that experience to someone, you could cut their learning curve down to three yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. do you mean it's kind of like? And I think that's where I think the true value is going to be. And I think that's where the smart agent is going to be thinking. Yeah. I personally would be. It's kind of going hang a second. How can I bring in a layer of knowledge, wisdom into this thing to skill my people up in many different ways? Many yeah. different ways. Yeah, I mean, it, because we need them. Yeah, and I think that I think I'm not. I think that um, art colleges, you know, uh, whether it would be the School of Communication Arts or, or there's. I came from Hounslow. They produced a lot of really good talent. So did yeah. you know? It's like, but it's now. I don't know how much these i mean i used to be the external assessor for the course at falmouth and i used to go down there and they had a lot of foreign students who were just doing an ma in advertising and it was like they'd taken it as a soft option because they thought i only have to do it for a year i'll get an ma and you know and they, they read so i used to go down there and give them all my passion and they were looking at me as if say i don't care i just i'm just gonna get an ma at the end of this you know, said, but don't you want a job? And they're going, well, yeah, just need the piece of paper. But, you know, it's, I think it's when you're on the job, it's like doing an apprenticeship is often probably better than going to a university or to, yeah. to an art college, you know, do, do an apprenticeship. And I think that those who, who go into an agency and learn at the feet of the people who do it every day for a living often come out, you know, as, as the probably more, fully rounded uh, article but hey I don't know it's but I think mentorship is a big part of that teaching people you know showing them what to what they should be doing and especially you know within within an industry that is I don't think is as attractive as it used to be as a um, no. as a, an option for people you know who are going to go to college what what is happening with, with advertising, marketing, comms, you know, it's like, I think that there's, there, 
the teaching has probably become a bit archaic. I mean, I, it's the only way you'll really learn is by on the job. Yeah, getting in the fire, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. putting yourself into the pressure it's kind yeah. of i'm watching a lot of australian master chef in lockdown <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> um, but yeah it, it's fantastic the pressure tests because that's when you really that's where you tell the cooks from the chefs is when you put them under the yeah. under the pressure test and i think that's the thing is you can never really get that unless you are on a tight deadline that's real with people's yeah. real money there and you've got people who are inspire you and slightly scare you yeah. Um, I know the best bosses I ever worked with, I was slightly scared of, it, hugely intimidated by their yeah. talent. Yeah. It's like huge intimidated by the talent, thinking, oh my God, I've got to put myself up with my partner in front of these people, yeah. their heart and soul, and fully exposed and pray to God they <laughs> yes. like something. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> when you used to go to a creative director with, you know, people I've worked for, you know, whether it be. Tim Delaney, whether it would be, you know, Chris and Mark. You know, th th these are unbelievable, you know, talented people and you're going in shaking with a piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Like <laughs> just one thing. You're going there with like 4,000 ideas, just like one. Just yeah. like one. Just Please, like just one. like one. Great feeling, though, when, you get, when they pick one and go, that's the one. You go, <clears throat> now let's blow some steam off. <laughs> Well, that, that is a good point because at the moment, you know, I should be feeling I'm on holiday. I'm at home. I'm it's obvious. But you have to. I always feel that you have to earn that. You know, you only relax yeah. and feel great if you've earned that right. You know, I I don't know a weekend from a weekday at the moment, but I used to yeah. used to earn your weekend. You know, you you'd sort of like yeah. work so hard and you produce something. You once you've got it through, you're going yes. I can relax now, you know, only for a bit, you know, but that's the it's weirdest thing feeling. about what's happening at the moment. We're all, we're not earning the right to just sit around doing bugger all, you know. It's really interesting, really interesting, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so bloody yeah. true, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, just kind of what would you say is your, your kind of like most challenging moment in the industry in the entire of your career? What would be the most challenging time you faced? Well, I think, I, I think that, my most challenging moment was actually when I went to Simon's Palmer and um, I mean, it's, they say, you know, if, if you have a, a mental breakdown, it's when three things come at the same time. So I'd just had a child. Um, I moved job uh, from still price Lintas to go to um, Simon's Palmer. And I took a 15 grand drop to do that because that's to prove my commitment to it. And then my father died all in, in, a, in a very short space of time. And within that time, I did have a total mental breakdown. And within that, I mean, the weirdest thing is I produced my best work of my career. It's just the maddest thing. So, you know, even when things are bleak, you know, things great things happen, you know, and I think that, as I said, in adversity, sometimes that's when the best stuff happens. So it's like, it was challenging more because I was challenging myself, but there was life was challenging me at the same time. And, you know, I, I thought, I really thought that was it. I thought I, I was sort of like, bang, you know, I'm, it's all over for me. And it wasn't, you know, it was, it was strangely, um, 
strangely one of the most successful periods of my life. And I'm looking at the DNAT annual down there <laughs> where I got so much work in it, it's embarrassing, you know. And that was during the time that I had was having the most challenging time. So I think that what is interesting is pressure. You need pressure, don't you? I mean, you need yeah. pressure to a certain degree. Yeah. But if it flips you over the edge, that's when it's it's not healthy. So, I mean, anything that a creative can do, I mean, I think you were talking about outside projects, whether it's music. I find music very therapeutic. I don't play anything, but I love listening to it. Um, you know, anything that you can do, whether it's yoga, whether it's it's good things, you know, good things that will have a lasting benefit, you know, you've got to explore those things. And I mean, I... Um, I think it was Ben you were talking to, and I listened to that one, Ben Kay. He was talking about he gets up and meditates every day. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, that's going to ground you a bit more. You know, it sounds very LA, but, you know, <laughs> that's where he is, you know. But, um, no, I think it's it's got to be it's got to be done. You know, you've got to yeah. look after. If you don't look after up there, it won't look after you. 100%. I think so many people get up and the first thing they do is to dive into other people's panic attacks, by yeah. i.e. I, their inbox. Yeah. And it's kind of like, pff, that's the, the worst way to set up the day. thing as well about, well, we need to work out as leaders then, how do people work individually and how can we help them to do that better in that way? If you've got a novelist or a, or a screenwriter or a musician, I don't. if I'm going to invest in them or an architect or I'm going to invest in them, I want to go, what do you need me to give you? If you need to go and sit in a toilet cubicle for 24 hours, three days a week, yeah. I'm happy for you to do that. Totally right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously peaks and troughs is what it's all about. There are times yeah. where you are on that wave and you're thinking, I want to stay here forever. And it, obviously that's not sustainable. You're going to go, there will be a trough. I mean, yeah. the one thing that you've got to do is try and make the – make the, the peaks, you know, you don't have to make them quite Everest. You can come down to Kilimanjaro if you want, you know, just just level it all out, out a bit, you know, so, and the troughs don't have to go down into the, the depths of hell. It can be, yeah, yeah. try and, try and like get to that stage where where you can level it out, you know, because the, the, nobody knows where the bottom is, you know, the bottom is a very horrible place to go. But, you know, just keep... Try and find a consistency where it's like a gentle wave instead of sort of like um, you know, horrible uh, gale force nine waves. I mean, like, that's what I've tried to do. <laughs> it's, it's easier said than done, you know, but there's been times where it's just been, wow, you know, this is a hell of a bumpy ride and uh, it's not pleasant. Right? So I think we need to try and get people to say, you know, let's, let's not, Aim, you know, aim quite high, but don't always aim to to some like ridiculous level where where you're not going to be able to keep that going. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes you've got yeah, sometimes you've got to write. It's got to be high high temperatures and low prices. You just yeah. got to get that low. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. that's that's the pinnacle when you know you've written something like that. Pinnacle of a depth. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, it's not going to get further than down. No. That. Well, yeah. it probably did actually. It won't go there. <laughs> So is there anything, as I've really enjoyed chatting to you, obviously, is there anything yeah. I've not spoken about that you, you feel like think would be useful to people to hear about? I think that, you know, within, I, I think it is, mental health is, is the big 
topic at the moment. And yeah. you know, um, within mental health, I mean, I, I've I've succeeded, even though you know. And I think that people should realise that people have got to realise that mental health you've got to manage it number one you've not got to be ashamed of it or treat it like it's um it's a weakness it's not it can yeah. be it can often be um what makes you great i mean they you know when you look at van gogh i mean when he was yeah. his most um agitated call it that if you want was when he was his most prolific and you know he wasn't successful in his, his own lifetime he was just doing what his creative brain was telling him to do yeah. and you know he's he's one of my my heroes um spike milligan is another of my heroes i was fortunate enough to work with him there's a man who was often in the priory wow. he he was you know absolutely barking mad but you know his his um body of work and the comedy he produced i mean without spike milligan there wouldn't have been you know monty python so it was like it's these are people they 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 just are authentic and true to themselves. They don't try and be somebody else. They don't try and, you know, gloss it over. They are who they are. And they just do what their brain is telling them to do. It might come at a price. That's the only thing. You know, um, it, you know Van Gogh virtually committed suicide. He shot himself, didn't he? But, um, yeah, it's, but you've got to sort of like allow yourself to fail. You've got to allow yourself to be vulnerable. You've got to sort of like not be too, I would say, not be too hard on yourself. I think I've been far too hard on myself over the years. I mean, sometimes it's worked. Other times it's just been me punishing myself for nothing. Mm. I mean, you know, you talked about imposter syndrome. I've had that all my life. You know, you don't. There's a book I read called um, The Achilles Syndrome. And it's like, it doesn't matter how successful you've been, or you've, you've got that Achilles thing that is always dragging you back there. It, it, it's, and it, it's something I've got, uh, imposter syndrome. I've probably got a list of, um, of syndromes and, and conditions as long as you are. But I, you know, you've got to just somehow get through them you know, because it, at that moment where it seems darkest, it's you've just got to say it will it will get better, and I think that we're in that dark period now, and it, we will come out of it. We have to. So I think for creative minds with the creative mindset, go with your sensitivity. You know, in, yeah. embrace it. Don't or you know even celebrate it. That's the reason why you're good at what you do. I mean, my. My voices, I was talking about, you know, and said it could be schizophrenic. It helps me, you know. Without that, I wouldn't have written half of the good stuff I've written, you know. So it's, you know, I've got to look at it as a as a bonus, as a as a real. A, a, you know, I might not be the most dynamic person you could ever meet, you know. I might not be able to stand up in a meeting and do the best presentation, you know, but there's other people who can do that you know let them do it don't worry about that don't sweat the stuff that you can't do you just you know embrace and really you know um celebrate the stuff you are good at you know and um yeah remember what i just said i got a heap load of shit a, a sort of like a big a big iceberg of shit underneath a little peak of good stuff <laughs>
So, you know, always, you know, don't be hard on yourself is my one piece of advice. I think it's a fucking humongously great bit of advice. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is brilliant. So we got the whole podcast just on that, to be fair. Yeah, yeah true. I think that's it. I think you're so right. You've got to find out who you are and then lean 100% into it. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you're Usain Bolt, sprint, yeah. don't try and become the next yeah. fucking PGA Tour golfer. No, no. <laughs> if you've got a good pair of lungs on you, be an opera singer. Don't yeah. try and be an ice skater. And yeah. don't be embarrassed about it. No. And I mean, that's what agencies are. They're full of, full of talented people in lots of different disciplines. It's like any team. I didn't want to get into football analogies, but, you know, it's like a team. You've got, you know, all these different individuals. They all feed up to the, to the, um, for the attacker who takes all the glory. But, you know, it's, you've got that support system around you. you even to the dressing room, the, the manager, the, the backroom staff. I mean, it's always got a, of course, what we talked about earlier, we want to take the plaudits. We love the pat on the back, you know, or tap on the head. And, and that's when it's really worth doing it because yeah. the rewards are huge. You know, and, um, yeah, but fall back on those. Give other people a chance as well. You know, it's like use other people, you know, ask their advice. You know, it's like don't take it all on your own, <clears throat> own shoulders. It's, it's a... That's what an agency is. It is a support yeah. system, you know. Um, I think that creatives have been abused through the years, but you know, we, we do all right. You know, it's what we do. We're not business people, so there's no point putting us in business situations. I think there are <clears throat> there are um, creative people who are very good in business. I mean, like Dan Wyden is a very good businessman. Mm. You know, um, he's also a very good creative, but you. It, it's if you're good at business do business you know but yeah i think i think most creative people are so wrapped up in what's what's going on in their brains and like the stuff the output that they do which is in words pictures you know um crazy thinking you know um experiential thoughts you know, we, we've got so much stuff that's going around to start thinking about um balance sheets and stuff like that it's very difficult you know i i personally i I see a graph and I just go blind. I just, <laughs> I cannot see what, you know, show me a graph and I just blaze over. It's weird. Yeah. My yeah. brain just isn't wired that way. But, you know, it's um, horses for courses. So you're not a fan of economy? <laughs> no, I'm not an economy fan. <laughs> um, let's, let's put that on the record. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I've had more dealings with economy in the last, the last part of my professional life you know as we were talking about <laughs> thinking by the hour you know it's a you know it, it's, i think i'm going to give this five hours of thinking and then and stop the clock it's like that bit when you're playing chess you do make the move and then stop the clock it's bizarre isn't it christ <laughs> that was a that was an amazing i really really enjoyed that i wish we'd met years ago yeah we should have done we, we both from the same we worked at the same agency with yeah the same but no it's been a real pleasure talking to you as well matt and um thank you for your time man. no no you really enjoyed i've it. enjoyed it it's been quite cathartic for me <laughs> <laughs> excellent well i'll be meeting you so i want to say thank you um, you're welcome and um um, is there anything else you want anyone to know? Do, do you want to, to plug anything? Or do you want any websites? 
<laughs> no, no I, I think I've done enough now, you know, I've, I've, right? I think it was also Ben who said, you know, you, it's, it's a privilege to have a chance to talk about yourself, you know. I mean, I'm sure that's what you are now. You're in that world. I mean, you are having to listen to people and, I mean, I, and try and unravel their brains and give them good advice. But to me, that's been, you know, it's been a pleasure to be able to, uh, to be able to have an outpouring, to be honest, of stuff even I, I'm dredging stuff out of my brain I'd totally forgotten about. And that's great. I've loved it. Fantastic. Well, I've loved it too, mate. Thank you yeah. very, very much. Brilliant. Cheers, Matt. Thanks a lot, mate. If you liked today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, comment, and share. And if you'd like to learn more about my work as a sustainable high-performance coach, flow state trainer, and workshop facilitator, head across to leadingleft.com, where you can also learn more about my pressure-proof creative membership site and private mastermind group. Until next time, take good care of business and that creative brain of yours.